Hey everyone, you're listening to The Common Thread, the official podcast of the Howard Thurman Center. I'm Amanda Dowd. I'm Howard DePass. And I'm Ann Jacob. Ann Jacob is coming to us today. She's a new student ambassador, so she's going to be helping us out. Um, Will's off doing his thing, so we're really excited to have Ann on today. And we also have a very special guest on. We have Maureen Mahoney, the director of SARP. That's the Sexual Assault Response and Prevention Center. Thanks for coming on, Maureen. Of course. So we're going to be talking about some things today that I think are very relevant to you know living on a college campus, and that is what happens when there is a sexual assault on campus. And just to clarify, this is not going to be about rape culture. Instead, we're really going to be talking about victim advocacy and what you do when a situation like this arises. I think it's something that's really relevant to everybody, knowing yep. if you're going yeah. to be on a college campus. Definitely. This, yeah. It's not something that applies to one particular group of people and not necessarily women or you know it's, it's general and I think that this is a topic that not a, not enough people really dive into mm. so yeah I definitely yeah. I've learned a lot just researching this and I think whether or not this is something where you're you know a victim of an assault or you know someone this is something that everybody should know about so we're really excited to talk about this today Maureen great um, but just to start we were we want to know a little bit about you so you have been the director of SARP which kind of officially started just last summer, but you've been with the university for a long time. Right. I um, started with the university in 1994 wow. um, as the crisis intervention counselor. Mm-hmm. And um, the crisis intervention counselor for a long time was in the behavioral medicine clinic. So mm-hmm. I um, had, you know, carried a regular caseload um, of behavioral med- medicine students as a um, in addition to being on call mm-hmm. and being the first responder to crises on campus, okay. you know, not just sexual assault, right. but any situation, traumatic situation that affected an individual or the commu- and or the community. So, what was your professional background, and mm-hmm. what kind of got you into this particular field? Um, I have a master's degree in social work. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm an LICSW in Massachusetts, licensed independent clinical social worker. And I also have a lot of um, family therapy mm-hmm. training and started out clinically as an f- outreach family therapist um, up on the North Shore. And we worked with families that um, were at risk of um, the children either being put into foster care um, or parents losing their parental rights or the children were being transitioned home Mm -hmm. from residential care or foster care. And and working with the the families, I really found, um, became really interested in working with children who had been sexually assaulted or sexually abused and through that working with the families. And that spread out to doing some Um, guardian ad litem work in the courts, and then interviewing students, um, doing clinical interviews um, through the district attorney's office. And one of my internships in graduate school was as a medical social worker. Um, So I had the kind of background that comes in really handy for this position. Mm -hmm. It was a blend of understanding how the medical system works, understanding how the legal system works. I also, my other internship, um, and I went on to work there for a while, um, was in the counseling center at Wellesley College. Mm -hmm. So I just kind of happened to hit 
<coughs> what seems like very randomly mm-hmm. hit all of the points that were necessary for this position. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Very interesting. I guess that's how you know you meant for mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. I guess so. Yeah. yeah. It all kind of mm-hmm. came together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so you did start, uh, SARC was just started right. really officially mm-hmm. on the books. It was July 1st of last summer? On paper, it was on July paper. 1st. Um, mm-hmm. But you were mm-hmm. the crisis counselor for a while before that at BU. Yes. So mm-hmm. if, at some point, you mm-hmm. left mm-hmm. the main mm-hmm. behavioral medicine center and you started doing that? Yes. No, well... Or, My or job title was crisis job. intervention counselor, right. and I was in the behavioral medicine clinic, right. which is in student health services, right. the layers of departments here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You, you get it all so mixed and up. And SARP is also um, under the auspices of student health services. Okay, yeah. right. Mm-hmm. Um, so I know that when we, you know, we met mm-hmm. a few mm-hmm. weeks ago and talked, and, you know, you were very clear that you want to make sure that misconceptions Mm -hmm. about sexual assault are cleared Mm -hmm. up because there are a lot of misconceptions and misunderstandings about what happens when something like that is reported. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, Do you want to talk a little bit about maybe some that immediately come to mind? Sure. Um, You know, I think that, um, you know, one of the things that's really important about our office, our our department, is that the the three crisis counselors, we're all licensed um, either social workers or mental health counselors Mm -hmm. um, licensed by the state of Massachusetts. So what people tell us with certain caveats um, stays with us. Mm -hmm. So sometimes the use of the word reporting sexual assault is really a misnomer. People don't report to us. It's like saying, I'm rep- I reported a toothache to my dentist. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, right. people just don't come to us and report. And I think oftentimes people get that confused with reporting to the police or reporting to um, the Office of Judicial Affairs here. You know, we're clinicians. Mm-hmm. Um, we have, n- um, what our goal is um, as the clinicians in SARP is to provide free 24-hour confidential um, care for and advocacy for BU students. Mm-hmm. And that entails you know, giving students what their options are in terms of medical care, in terms of safety, in terms of what's available to them through the judicial system, in, either internally at another college sometimes, if that's where the assault took place, mm-hmm. um, what um, law enforcement can help them with, and to help students. None of us can foresee the future, mm-hmm. but to kind of predict what some of the possible outcomes of some choices may or may not be. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes what we'll talk to students about is you know, b- making decisions now that, you, that someone can look back on in, I typically say, like three months, three years, 30 years, and say to yourself, you know, based on what I knew then, I made the best decisions possible for me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we oftentimes are the people in, or the person in a situation that doesn't have an opinion about what the student chooses to do or chooses not to do. Mm-hmm. Roommates have opinions, friends have opinions, partners have opinions, parents have opinions, uh, but we are there to support the student in the choices that he or she makes. Um, just to mm-hmm. uh, 
sort of go into more detail about that. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that sometimes whenever uh, students have crises, uh, you know, they the first instinct is to go to their best friend or their family member, you know, somebody who they're close to because they do have that uh, substantial connection with them. Mm-hmm. Um, but what are some of the benefits of actually going to a, you know, a licensed professional, a clinician who um, who can help you, you know, even though there has that there may be that uh, barrier of trust and um, confidentiality with the person, you know, what's what, what are some of the benefits of actually seeking professional help as opposed to going to your gut instinct of running to whoever? I mean, I think if if it's really important that if a student is comfortable to have that support system mm-hmm. of family, of friends, of partners, um, and that, you know, what we do is supplement that with good solid facts and information Mm. that, you know, somebody's parents living in France may have no idea how um, Massachusetts' uh, legal system works. You know, somebody's who, sorry, that distracted me, Um, that, you know, the, the more support a student can get, the better. Um, and, you know, we're also able to go places with students to accompany, physically accompany them. You know, mm-hmm. if a student wants to go to the hospital emergency room, um, it, you know, and can also all, um, help students with intervening with academics. Mm-hmm. Um, and oftentimes will help students tell their family mm-hmm. about what happened. Um, you know, to to sit down and and give them the words to talk about you know an incredibly difficult situation. Right. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and I I want to you know hit on one point that you mentioned right there. Sure. Where you can help people tell their family if they mm-hmm. so choose. Um, the difference between your office and say, well, really any other office at BU, is that you're not required to tell anyone. No, actually, we're forbidden right. oh, from telling okay. anybody. But Be, being a licensed clinician, we have um, have to abide by <coughs> patient privacy and confidentiality. Mm-hmm. And the two offices on campus that do that that can that are bound by that, um, but for different reasons, are um, the medical professionals and student health services, which we're under, mm-hmm. and the clergy. Mm. Oh yeah, I didn't yeah. think about yeah. that. That makes sense. Okay. That makes mm. that makes perfect sense. Definitely. No one ever thinks about them. They're great. Go, brother Larry. Yeah, I'm gonna have to tag him in this. Now that we exactly. said that. <laughs> <laughs> you have to. Um, uh, but I, the clear distinction mm. that I want to make mm. is that, for example, you know, your center, the clergy, they don't have to. They they're, they're, they are required to not report it. Right. Mm-hmm. But, for example, the dean of students' office is required to let the family know if something like that is reported. That's their regulation. I don't know if it's a requirement, but their policy is that um, if there are concerns about a student's health mm-hmm. and or safety, and having been assaulted is a concern to them, mm-hmm. that they will tell um, informed students' family. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the things that that I have done in the past is advocate for students who have reasons that their family shouldn't know. Hmm. Can you elaborate and, on that at yeah. all? Are you referring to like religious tradition or? Um, 
D, all of the above. (laughs) 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 Um, um, You know, I think the most concrete example is um, a student um, from years back who, you know, said to me, um, her family emigrated here when she was an infant. Mm -hmm. And, you know, she said, I don't know the words for what happened to me in Cantonese. I cannot explain this. To, like, I actually don't have the words oh, no mm-hmm. to tell my parents. Wow. Um, so, you know, we talked about that and just decided that it it was just too painful for, for her mm. at that moment to do that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay. Mm-hmm. And do you think that that has... Um, I don't know, and maybe this is hard to gauge or hard to tell, but do you think actually restricting it from, uh, you know, best friends or family uh, is more detrimental to the victim than getting it out there? Or I think it depends on the context and the situation mm-hmm. and the relationships that people have. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. definitely. Okay. Mm-hmm. I don't think that, you know, a blanket statement yeah. about what's helpful and, and what's not is possible. Right. You know, oftentimes we'll help students explore the relationships that they have with people, their concerns about telling and not telling. Mm-hmm. Um, and also sometimes the the, um, the negative fallout from doing that. Yeah. I mean, the vast majority of students um, at not just BU, but on any college campus who are sexually assaulted know their assailant. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which means that, you know, and it, there's a spectrum, anything from, you know, um, having being in an intimate relationship with the assailant to having it be, you know, your roommate's brother's roommate mm-hmm. at another school. I mean, there's a whole spectrum mm-hmm. of, um, you know, knowing the, the assailant. Mm-hmm. And, you know, typically it oftentimes creates... A huge polarity between the groups of friends, mm-hmm. and it can be incredibly, incredibly damaging, mm-hmm. you know, especially if it's two people on the same floor, two people on the same hall, two people in a very small program here. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's some programs here that are really tiny. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And that's. And mm-hmm. I mean, this isn't something that your office mm-hmm. deals with. This mm-hmm. is more of a judicial mm-hmm. aspect. Mm-hmm. But that's actually become a huge question on a lot of college campuses now. You know, when you have a sexual assault that takes or an accused sexual assault that takes place, and you know the the alleged victim and the alleged accuser or the alleged rapist, they live together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What do you do? Because you know you can't. Um, condemn someone before they're proven guilty but you don't want to further traumatize the victim and it's sure. it's a very sticky situation i you know read a lot of articles recently where they're not sure how to handle it you know it's one of those gray areas that what's the right thing to do yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Well, one of the things that a lot of BU students don't realize is when you sign the housing contract there's mm-hmm. a lot of fine print on it so that you can be moved mm-hmm. mm. you cannot or you can you can, you can. okay Okay, and so I guess that in the midst of, you know, students who uh, do suffer from uh, rape and mm-hmm. uh, sexual assault, they 
often think that, like, while they're frantic, they think that nothing can be done to remove Absolutely. them from the mm-hmm. situation. But I mean, in actuality, yeah, the the, the um, person who's been assaulted can be moved, but also the person who um, has assaulted the, can be moved too. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's something that my office works with the Office of Residence Life mm-hmm. and the Office of Judicial Affairs to to make happen in a way that um, hopefully isn't da- in a way that's the le- least damaging possible to everybody involved. Mm-hmm. I guess would be the best way to put it. Right. So mm-hmm. yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So mm-hmm. what would be the ramifications actually mm-hmm. of coming to SARP and um, informing, mm-hmm. you know, the professionals mm-hmm. there of an assault. Um, I mean, I'm assuming that most cases you probably have a talk with them as you described, and um, would I don't know what the process would be. Would you report it to DOJ, like DOS, or go? No, we don't report you, it. To, okay. Report it to anybody. Okay, so we have we're student. bound by by confidentiality. Okay. Like if I were to do that, yeah. I would lose my license to practice in Massachusetts. Wow. Mm-hmm. wow. So would, what would be the process for the student then? Mm-hmm. Um, if the student gives me permission, I can talk to anybody mm-hmm. yeah. that the student allows me to, definitely. Just out of curiosity, mm-hmm. when mm-hmm. you say give permission, mm-hmm. um, is it verbal permission? Do they sign something? I'm just... Both. Both? Okay. Yeah, there's an actual... There's R- an actual It's called form. an ROI, Release of Information form. Okay. I got it. Mm-hmm. Um, so one of the things that I know that we talked about before is there is no one-size-fits-all mm-hmm. solution. Mm-hmm. You know, every case is very different, mm-hmm. and you are a huge proponent mm-hmm. of it is, we don't have an opinion, we are doing what is best for the victim mm-hmm. and best for what they want to do that they can look back on and be okay with. Yep. Um, you know, if, let's go with perhaps the, the scenario that maybe most people would push them to do, and that's to report it to authorities. Mm-hmm. And which I think is, you know, a lot of people would push them to do that. Mm -hmm. Um, Can you tell us a little bit about how you would support them through that? By authorities, who do you mean? Um, You know, it can, the legal part of it doesn't necessarily matter. It could be the BUPD, it could be the BPD. Mm -hmm. But in terms Mm -hmm. of, you know, when you walk them through the process. Okay, yeah, I mean, it actually does matter okay. where it happens. Um, a lot of people don't realize that um, BU's campus, not only are we in three cities, Boston, Brookline, and nobody remembers the boathouse mm. in Cambridge. Wow. <laughs> wow. Um, those three cities are in three different counties. Boston is in Suffolk County, Cambridge is in Middlesex, and Brookline is in Norfolk County. Mm-hmm. So that does matter. Okay. Um, you know, if a student knows where it happened, that's really important. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, part of the reason that that's important is so that students don't have to keep telling the story. Mm-hmm. If a student is assaulted um, in BU-owned property, mm-hmm. then the student can go to the BU police. There's also the option to go to, um, let's say it happens on South Campus, mm-hmm. um, to go to the Boston police. Um, if it's South Campus in Boston, I just realized some South Campus is in Brookline. Mm-hmm. Um, if the assault happened in Austin, mm-hmm. it's the Boston police. Um, BU police have jurisdiction over BU-owned buildings. Mm. But a student mm-hmm. can mm-hmm. choose 
Oh, know, absolutely, can, which is what we give them. The well, no, I mean, mm-hmm. um, if they want to report it, even if they're on campus property, they can bypass the BUPD right. if they mm-hmm. want and right. go straight to If it happens BUPD. on South Campus, for example, they can go to the Boston Police. Okay. Mm-hmm. Would the, I'm just curious. Mm-hmm. Do you know if the Boston Police would report it to BUPD anyway, just as a courtesy? Or? No, there's a lot of regulations around okay. protecting the identity okay. of a sexual assault victim. Like, it's not published in newspapers. Right. It's not um, a lot of police records are public. Mm-hmm. If anybody's ever worked for the free press, they'll go down to BUPD <coughs> and get the... Mm-hmm. Um, police reports. It's not included in the, the if anything, any ide- if it is included and any identifying information is redacted. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, there is that option, but not all victims of sexual assault want to report it or they're not ready. The vast majority don't. Really? Yes. The vast majority? Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Can you talk a mm-hmm. little bit about mm-hmm. that and, and what goes on and the reasoning? And I think oftentimes... Um, people's first response after a a trauma is disbelief. Mm -hmm. That people are in shock, that um, you just want to, I think a lot of people want to believe that it didn't happen, Mm -hmm. believe that, you know, nobody they know is going to hurt them. Mm -hmm. You know, I think we're all raised to believe it's going to be some... Mm-hmm. sketchy looking person maybe on the T mm-hmm. you know that you can identify mm-hmm. you know it's not some you know nice looking college student you know that could fit in with your friends or possibly is one of your friends or someone that you know or study mm-hmm. with um, and a lot of students first response after they've their health and their safety has been taken care of is I just want to forget this happened I want things to go back to normal I want to go back to normal I want to go back to normal and I think for a lot of people pushing it away works until it doesn't Mm. Uh. and it takes a huge amount of energy not to think about something Mm -hmm. Um, and you know one of the things that that we talked to students about as I had mentioned before was you know not closing any doors behind you that you know, if somebody wants to leave the option open at any point in time to talk to the police, mm-hmm. that's there. You know, if someone comes into my office two years later and says, "I think I want to talk to the police," or "I think I want to talk to BU's judicial system," okay, we'll we'll make that happen. We'll facilitate it. It is understood, mm-hmm. though, that there is, you know, a time frame for how successful that will be. Am I right? Um, there's With a, reporting it, you know, in terms of... Yeah, it's it's another one of those situations that's really complicated, and I would typically leave that up to the police to explain it to the student. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'll just, um, mm-hmm. I'll edit mm-hmm. in, you know, because I know this mm-hmm. isn't your, mm-hmm. your area of expertise. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, even though it is open at any time mm-hmm. to go to the mm-hmm. police, it is much more difficult mm-hmm. to... Mm-hmm you know, prosecute a case if you don't have physical evidence, which if it's several years later, most likely you don't at that point have any. Um, yeah, there's a um, physical, even with physical evidence, I mean, people talk a lot about rape kits, but mm-hmm. in my experience, oftentimes what can happen with a rape kit is that the assailant's attorney will say that it was consensual sex. Yes, right. there's evidence of sex, but it was consensual. Can, can you elaborate on, wait. Did, wanna, yeah, no, go for it. Okay, can you elaborate on a rape kit? I've never heard of that before. No? No. 
Um, in Massachusetts, um, um, the sexual assault nurse examiner, a sane nurse, is the um, are the only people that um, can collect evidence um, to be used in court in cases of rape. Um, and they have a very, very organized uh, a procedure for well, doing that. Mm. Um, and typically what happens is if a student wants to have evidence collected, we'll go to an emergency room. My emergency room of choice is Beth Israel Deaconess Medical Center. Mm-hmm. Um, That's good to know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. um, and from there... Um, the same nurse is called. Mm-hmm. People always ask how long it's going to take, and it's a. It depends on where the same nurse lives, and if there's a Red Sox game. To be honest, with <laughs> how the traffic oh, wow. is. Yeah. Understandable. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Exactly. We know. And the same nurse will um, explain to the student. Evidence collection will take the student's statement. Um, the student can say no to anything. You know, this is the student has done nothing wrong. You know, if the student doesn't want certain, you know, things collected or, you know, doesn't want to leave the clothes that he or she was wearing, Mm -hmm. that's a big one. Um, um, A lot of students are really attached to those particular genes Mm -hmm. that don't want to leave them, which I totally understand. then at any point, you know, the student can say, no, I'm not interested in that or I don't want to do that. And there is, for, for each, diff- each police department has a, um, a time limit. The rape kits go to the police department mm-hmm. the, where the assault occurred. Mm-hmm. And each police department has um, a time that they will keep them. Frequently, they keep them much longer than that. Oh. Wow. Yeah. I mean, I don't think Newton destroys them, is my sense. They might. I mean, that's just my sense. Yeah. But I've had, had a student who got a rape kit released from Newton, processed from the Newton police several years after mm. they collected it. Mm-hmm. Um, so mm-hmm. partial mm-hmm. rape kits where mm-hmm. they choose not to partake mm-hmm. in one mm-hmm. aspect mm-hmm. are completely doable, Absolutely. is what you're saying. Absolutely. That's yeah. important to know mm-hmm. because I necessarily, I was fuzzy mm-hmm. on that before. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, can mm-hmm. you choose to not do something or does it completely mess up the procedure? Right. No. Okay. No. And mm-hmm. I, I also would imagine that in um, <clears throat> in the students coming to uh, SARP mm-hmm. and um, telling of a of when they think they've gotten sexually assaulted, mm-hmm. um, a lot of lines can be blurred, like and a lot of confusion can take place, and whether it actually has happened. And I, I would imagine that uh, students, pref- preferably um, women, can actually think that they may have done something to provoke it. There can be self-blaming do you see do you find that a lot of that takes place Um, i think that it's just human nature Mm. to try to assume some type of responsibility for when something goes wrong Mm. because if we if we can somehow manage to do that then um we can prevent it from happening again very true and you know a lot of times um people have to do a lot of kind of mental gymnastics to figure out their responsibility. But the vast Mm -hmm. amount of students that come to our office um, haven't done 
anything differently that particular night or afternoon or evening than I'm comfortable saying thousands of other people their age mm. hadn't been doing at that same time. Yeah. Whether it's studying with a friend, whether it's going to a party at the Gap, whether it's you know watching a movie in somebody's room, um, you know, it, it just has that incident has a very very different outcome. Right. Mm-hmm. I and I also think that there aren't a lot of students <clears throat> who have genuine questions about what happened to them. Mm. Um, that there are students that come into my office and say, I don't know what to call this, but, you know, I feel like I feel really violated Mm. or, you know, I don't know if this is, you know, what rape is or not or, um, but, you know, oftentimes, um, you know, I'll say to students, you know, if you're sitting here talking to me, something bad happened. Most people are really happy to go through four years at BU never meeting me. Yeah, yeah. And I don't take it personally. No, not at all. <laughs> well, I'm glad I met you. <laughs> <laughs> Likewise. Um, I have a question that just occurred sure. to me mm-hmm. when he brought up mm-hmm. self-blame. Mm-hmm. Um, not everyone you see is a woman. Not everyone you see no. is female. Mm-hmm. There are definitely mm-hmm. male victims of sexual assault. Um, is there a difference in how you treat male and female victims just in respect to the stigma surrounding male sexual assault? Do you find that you have to approach it differently? Um, I think that there are a lot of different types of stigma in, involved in having been the victim of a crime. Mm-hmm. And gender is definitely one of them. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Mm-hmm. That I think that um, you know a lot of male victims really do not want people to know because of that Mm -hmm. or have a hard time um, having friends that accept that they've been the victim of a crime that um, you know that that just doesn't happen or Mm -hmm. you know how did how did that happen what did you do Mm -hmm. kind of thing so I think male victims tend to to be a lot quieter Mm -hmm. I also think that it can be um, oftentimes looked upon as like an actual joke oh like, yeah you know, like there's mm-hmm. it's the idea mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. so um it's so distant mm-hmm. and so unfathomable that mm-hmm. it becomes um something comical and that mm-hmm. in and of itself takes so it desensitizes the situation absolutely. and takes away the severity of it mm-hmm. absolutely um, yeah it's very interesting it's, mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a tricky situation mm-hmm. i can imagine mm-hmm. as a counselor um are there any other you know common maybe scenarios that happen that you see a lot that you just want to talk about you know with <coughs> situations with family with friends pushing for things and how you respond um a lot oftentimes um students friends will come to us mm-hmm. not knowing how to support mm-hmm. a student not knowing especially um i think when there there's a fraction in the group Mm-hmm. fracture in the group, should I say, um, when there's, you know, a group of friends that knows both the victim and the assailant. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes people will come to us and, you know, we'll meet with people and talk about how you can support the person, you know. Mm-hmm. And it can be, I think, it, because 
one thing that almost every single student that I see says to me is that, you know, when I was in high school, you know, I knew somebody who was assaulted or my sister was assaulted or, you know, I did, I, my roommate was freshman year. And I always thought if this happened to me, this is what I would do. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm not doing that. You know, it's really different than what I thought I would do. And I think it takes a long time to process that because, we, you know, we'd all like to believe that um, if something happens, we would do what we might consider to be the right thing, okay. like there's a right thing and a wrong thing. And it takes a long time sometimes to accept that there's a right thing for me as opposed to what I thought it was. Mm-hmm. Huh. And what are some of the... Uh, some of the best uh, ways that um, friends can offer support uh, when when sexual assault happens to another good friend, a best friend, even an acquaintance. You know, how, how can we uh, support each other as a community? I think to let people know <clears throat> that you believe them. Mm-hmm. Um, to not, for lack of a better word, gossip about it. To ask the students permission mm-hmm. to talk about what happened. Mm-hmm. Um, to recognize that I mean I don't know how many students have said to me you know no I don't want anyone on my floor to know because I don't want to be that girl I don't want to be known as the girl that got raped Mm. and um, you know I've had students tell me that the weekend after they got raped they were watching a movie and having a good time and heard people saying well you know it couldn't happen look at her She's having a good time. You know, to recognize that after a trauma, people really do want things to get back to baseline, back to normal. And if somebody can sit and lose themselves in some silly movie, that's wonderful. Mm. Absolutely. Yeah, and and people should be supported in that. Mm -hmm. You know, and to give, give friends permission to talk about things when they want to and permission not to talk about things. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So besides, um, Providing the resources at SARP, mm-hmm. do you refer students to, let's say, Marsh or like other um, centers on campus if Absolutely. they need it? Absolutely. Absolutely. We refer students to Marsh Chapel, um, groups at Bark and Beth Israel Deaconess. Um, Can you just clarify what Bark is? For oh, sorry. Know. It's okay. Austin Area Rape Crisis Center. They're a great organization. <laughs> they do some wonderful work. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, we're in a I think we're incredibly fortunate to be in a resource-rich area, mm-hmm. so we definitely take advantage of the resources that are available to us, both within the university community and within the community at large. Yeah, and then, mm-hmm. so once a student ad- like addresses this issue, do mm-hmm. you follow up with them later, or yes. do you let them come to you? Both, Okay. both. I mean, I've had students that were um, assaulted their first year here that, you know, have gone on to do postgraduate programs here that I've seen off and on for seven years. Mm-hmm. Well, mm-hmm. Yeah. If someone were to come to you, you know, in distress after mm-hmm. an assault mm-hmm. and then just kind of, for lack of a better word, cut off contact mm-hmm. and kind of just stopped communicating, mm-hmm. what do you do? I'm just curious. You know, what are the procedures for dealing with that and making sure they're okay without, <coughs> while respecting their boundaries? Right. Well, one of the things that, that we'll talk about in, you know, during the first couple of times that we meet is just that. Mm-hmm. That, um, you know, if a student is having a really good day, you know, if the weather's like it is today, 
and, you know, meeting with me is just going to bring them down, Mm -hmm. text me, send me an email, call the office, and just say, you know, everything's fine. I'm just going to, you know, cancel my appointment today. I'll see you next Thursday at 2 kind of thing. And, you know, to talk about that, um, that and we're there to help students. They're not, this is such an old-fashioned word, but beholden to us mm-hmm. <laughs> and to, um, to, to meet with us. And, you know, students, as long as I know they're okay, mm-hmm. you know, and sometimes just sending somebody a text saying, you know, missed your appointment today, let me know everything's all right, and do you want to reschedule? Um, and if somebody says, you know, n- you know, oh, overslept or no, everything's fine or, you know, was studying, lost track of time, that's that's absolutely fine. So if a student, um, but if a student just completely didn't make any contact, didn't tell you what was going on, you mm-hmm. would at least follow up mm-hmm. once to. Oh, definitely. Yeah, definitely. Have you ever had to be mm-hmm. persistent mm-hmm. about it to try to reach them? Like, where they have been avoiding you? Like in that situation, where do you draw the line? Where do you? When do you stop? Mm-hmm. If that were to happen, I think most students would just say, "Can I take a break?" Okay which is absolutely permissible. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And if, say for example, you know, you mentioned having concerned friends that they mm-hmm. come to you. Mm-hmm. If, uh, if a concerned friend came to you and said, you know, my, uh, my roommate, my best friend was raped, um, I think she needs to talk to you, I think she needs to do this, I think, I think she needs help, would you ever contact the student or do you make it very clear the student has to come to you? No, I would probably reach out to the student. Okay, so you're okay with that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, mm-hmm. well, it's good to know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, one of the interesting things that I thought you said um, was, you know, you, you've Just had... Just one? <laughs> in fact, uh, plenty. One of the um, many. <laughs> right, right. Um, I, I think you, I, I liked when you uh, said that you've had um, students who you followed up for as many as you know, seven years. Mm-hmm. Um, so whether you want to speak on that particular uh, student who comes to mind or, or any uh, student who you've kept in touch with for a long period of time. Mm-hmm. Do you find that, um, I don't want to say coping, but just, you know, getting through the process. Uh, healing. Uh, yeah, healing. Mm-hmm. The healing process has, has been effective over such a long period of time. Do you find that uh, those sort of terrors still come back into place? Like, how does, how does that uh, work for such a, an extended period of time? Um, I think with any <coughs> traumatic incident, um, or any traumatic happening, that there are some after effects that follow us for the rest of our lives. Right. Um, and that, you know, one of the things that, that we do in, in treatment and therapy is kind of some triggers are predictable. Mm. Uh, and, you know, if people know that, they're less scared. And I think that, um, you know, having kind of a touchstone. I mean, I have students that have graduated that send me baby pictures of their kids. Oh. And, That's awesome. you know, when they graduate from law school and, um, you know, that still, um, you know, send me Christmas cards or email me yeah. around the anniversary of their assault. Wow. And, you know, mm-hmm. just, you know, it's, it's, um, it's, it's really gratifying to know that, people go on and flourish and live rich, you know, continue to live rich and full lives. Yeah. yeah. And it sounds like throughout that, you're given the opportunity to actually um, 
become you know, like a mother figure almost. And you know when they probably now when I started I was more of an older sister. Uh, <laughs> right, right, you're right. still an older sister. <laughs> 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 you're talking about. A couple years it'll be like a nana. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> Is is that though? You know, you said you get to see Mm -hmm. people. Mm -hmm. You do get Mm -hmm. to see people flourish. Mm -hmm. Is that what makes it bearable? Because you're dealing with. I mean, as a counselor, you deal Mm -hmm. with some very traumatic things yourself, having Mm -hmm. to deal with this every day. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I can imagine it's hard to Mm -hmm. sometimes go home at the Mm -hmm. end of the day. no, it's, yeah. yeah. It is. It can be really, really difficult, especially when, um, you know, one of the things that the crisis counselors do is it's not restricted to sexual assault or interpersonal violence. We're the first responders for um, the crises and traumatic incidents that affect the community. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and fortu- I mean, I've had really good training. That's what I always fall back on. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, also recognizing. In, in in some, it's a little bit of a remove that you know I don't make these bad things happen. Mm. You know, with or without me, bad things are going to happen to people, mm-hmm. and that you know I have the privilege of being there after the bad things happen. Mm-hmm. So this is a personal question; mm-hmm. you don't have to answer mm-hmm. if you don't want to. But um, do you have um, like a daily practice or something that centers yourself after dealing with all this, like a ritual that you like meditate on or, um, I don't know, something therapeutic that you could be like, wow. Yeah, like, how do you de-stress? Yeah, how do you de-stress? Or do I you watch stress? some really bad TV. <laughs> well, please, tell, please tell us what. Tell, give us a show. Yeah, Come on. I'll, I'll admit right now I watch Keeping Up with the Kardashians. How about that? Do you really? I do. Oh, I'm not that hardcore. <laughs> <laughs> I think I just insulted <laughs> Oh, that's um, awesome. I, I like a lot of the Housewives show. I'm, mm. I'm into Bravo. Mm. Oh, okay. Yeah. Andy mm-hmm. Cohen, gotta love him. Mm-hmm. See mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Oh. I know. I missed him. Oh, I know. Yeah. No, I mean, I really find that, that, um, and also just watching people argue about this, the most inconsequential things, like who gave someone a dirty look? Yeah. Right. <laughs> really? Yeah. It can no, definitely it lighten, lighten the load a little bit. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, my, my life could be like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that could bother me, but fortunately it doesn't. Yeah. You know? Mm. Um, you know, and I also have um, a really really good, you know, personal support system of mm-hmm. friends and relatives wow. and family. And um, when, I, when I'm on vacation, I really tend to go far and get away. You turn off your phone? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Most of the time, yeah. That's good. <laughs> you need to have a break. It's important, yeah. to, it's important mm-hmm. for your well-being as a mm-hmm. person and as a counselor, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Well, we need to start wrapping up, but I'm just going to hit a few mm-hmm. key points, and sure. please ad-lib and correct me if I'm wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, Going to SARP, completely confidential, and you are 100% behind the victim, and yep. will do whatever they want. Mm-hmm. Um, if you do want to have a medical exam or a rape kit done, Beth Israel is a great place to go. You've had great experiences with them. Absolutely. Um, you know, the victim can decide whatever they want to do. Mm-hmm. You will help them tell their family if they want to. Exactly. You can offer advice mm-hmm. for everybody. And you will continue to advocate for them through every step of the way, whether it's legal, whether it's counseling, mm-hmm. for as long as they need. Absolutely. Okay. And location does mm-hmm. matter. And location does mm-hmm. matter, and yes. you, you are going to be there for no matter mm-hmm. what, even if it is in three mm-hmm. counties, <laughs> which is daunting, <laughs> but it's there. I right. know people don't realize that. Mm-hmm. All right. Mm-hmm. Well, is there anything else you mm-hmm. want to add in? Mm-hmm. 
that you think we didn't miss or we, that we missed? Um, I think the only thing is that, you know, we're on call 24 hours a day. Mm-hmm. Okay. When you call the 353, um, actually the phone number spells out SARP. But if you have a, yeah, if there's some phones that doesn't matter, um, it's 7277. There's a lot of phones that don't have the n- numbers and the letters together. Uh, yeah. yeah, like right. Blackberries yeah. don't. Mm. Um, At nights and on the weekends, you'll get an outgoing message um, that uh, asks you to press 1 to leave a non-urgent voicemail or press 2 to speak to whoever's on call. And that call gets sent directly to um, the phone of the person that's on call. So you don't have to deal with answering services or... You know, there's only two possible things to press, and I mm-hmm. tried to keep the outgoing message as brief and to the point as possible. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so for anybody mm-hmm. listening to this, knowing that that support is available, knowing that it sounds like you have great relationships mm-hmm. with other departments at VU, all working together to... Absolutely, to support students. To support students. Mm-hmm. So I think that that is a very important thing for everybody to know, no matter who you are. Absolutely. Uh, Maureen, we can't thank you enough for coming on. Thank you so much. Thank show. you for the opportunity. Yeah. This yeah. has been great. Yeah. Uh, we are so mm-hmm. glad to be able to have done this episode, and I know I learned a lot just sitting here. I learned a ton. <laughs> yeah, this is um, great. Thank you so much. Yeah. Oh, great. I feel like this is a great way to end the semester. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, this, mm-hmm. yeah, this, is, this has been an awesome episode. Awesome way to close it out. Yeah. It has right. been, yeah. yeah. It's so been a great semester, period. Yeah. It has for, been a great the semester, yeah. We, yeah. Had, we had Ann come on and start helping us. We had yeah. you and Will. Yeah. Will's off doing his thing right now, but, you know, Will's been awesome, and we come back in the fall. It's going to be Howard and Will, and we have Greg coming back, which is super excited. Amazing. It's Y'all remember great. Greg from way back when, and Ann will be abroad. But she's, I'll be abroad. She'll be back in the spring. She'll be back in the I spring, so, don't, so chill out, guys. Don't worry. Um, well, Maureen, again, thank you so much. Thank you for the opportunity. Yes, this has been absolutely. great. Good questions. Thank you. Well, no we will see you all again in the fall. Until then, this is The Common Thread, the official podcast of the Howard Thurman Center. I'm Amanda Dowd. I'm Howard DePass, Jr. And I'm Ann Jacob. And we'll see you next semester. <laughs>